0: The Secrets of Sacred Art is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Sacred Art where we unearth the hidden treasures, history, and deeper meanings of religious and sacred art. We're your hosts, Katherine Laffrey
1: and Alex Murray. Welcome to Episode 4, The Story of Joseph, A Tale Torn Asunder. In this episode, we're going to introduce you to a fascinating pair of paintings and their unfortunate fate. It is a story of caution and one that needs to be told Regarding sacred and mundane art, and the role galleries and museum and the role of galleries and museums today, it's also a tale of wonderful maps that show that transcend time and space. It allows you to travel through the life of some interesting characters if you know how to read it. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> Catherine, it's good to see you again. Oh, good to yeah. see you again. And this one is—I'm um, excited about this one. Oh yeah. So, uh so this is something that um I discovered when I was asked to do a talk on the life of Joseph a couple of months ago and it was so fascinating. I thought, "Oh, I really want to dive a little bit more into this image." So, if you could show us um the two panels. Uh so this is well we're going to see it one at a time. So, if everyone is looking at this panel, this is um the story of joseph and it is um it was painted by biaggio di antonio in around 1482 and it was um a wedding present for a family in tuscany and um <clears throat> They were originally installed as wainscoting in a bedroom. I did find that out. We had this discussion like, well, where was it? Now we know where it was. It was in a bedroom. The first panel that we're looking at in the story of Joseph is actually um, owned by the J. Paul Getty Museum in Los Angeles, California. And... um the second panel can you switch to let's there it see is. if we can look at the second one it's a fantastic panel you know both of them are just incredible this one is at the metropolitan museum of art in new york so it is literally this this um panel these two panels which were meant to be together um are actually torn asunder and one is on one Side of the United States, and the other is on the other side of the United States, and as a result, neither one of them are on display. And um, I think the problem with something like this—this is the sort of thing that kills me—when we're talking about art, whether it's sacred art, whether it's mundane art, and when mundane, I guess we should say this in case we haven't said it before: mundane art is art that is not. Sacred. It's not about religion. It's not about, you know, a religious um, event or something that is supposed to be used in terms of worship and in part of the liturgy. So, this is this would be just, you know, maybe portraits of people, landscapes, that kind of that sort of thing. The problem when you divide these things up and this happens all the time and it is it is a sad reality of museums and galleries and it's been going on for a really long time it's kind of like if you're supposed to be looking at this and you're supposed to be reading it and understanding it what they've what's happened with this panel it would be like someone ripping um lord of the rings in half and giving <laughs> Some people, the first part and other people, the second part and going, isn't this amazing? Well, um, yes, it is amazing because it's an amazing story, but it's, you're missing so much, um, of how you can understand the story, and art is not something that is just supposed to be viewed in kind of a passive way. It is something to experience in the same way that you experience a book or you experience a film. Could you imagine watching um, just the only the the end the last fifteen minutes of every Star Wars film? That right. would just it <laughs> would just you know especially the the. Um, the first, well, I guess, episodes four, five, and six, because they kind of are similar. And you'd be like, what is this about? This is dumb, you know, like, it wouldn't make any sense. And you wouldn't even want to look into more of it. And that's what's happened with this, this, um, this image. And, um, and I think it's, it's something that uh, should be, and I do, and I will say this, there are a lot of museums that are starting to rethink how they display thing, things, how they purchase things, and how they, um, you know, how they acquire and preserve things. So it's, it, thankfully, it is changing. But this is something it's really, really unfortunate because this is an, a fantastic um, piece of art. And I want to say I'm going to use the singular because it is one piece of art, a complete piece of art. And yet it's been torn asunder. And um, so... I think we've had a little surprise that I think we should show it at the end. We'll we'll show it complete at the end so people can enjoy it the way it was meant to be viewed and take all of that in. But um, I kind of wanted to get a little bit of your feedback, Catherine, in terms of what's happened to this, what's happened to this piece of art. And yeah, I mean, the
0: saddest thing is to know that it has literally been torn in half. Not only has it been torn in half, it's been taken out of context. So this would have been in someone's home. It's in the bedroom. Okay, it was a wedding present. That makes sense. Mm, But then you think about contemplating that image in a home. That's a teaching moment. You have all these opportunities to share. You know, what are you seeing in that image? Looking at them. Um, Seeing murals in... Um, like the great French wallpaper murals and different entryways or in dining rooms or sitting rooms, it helps you to just kind of sit, slow down and contemplate. Yeah. So now having these pieces torn apart, they're no longer functioning in the way they were created. And then it's sad to know that they're not even on display. Yeah, because I would love to see these back in a home setting. Maybe exactly. some mansion Tuscany, somewhere. Put maybe. them back together.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Please. <laughs> maybe in a little villa in Tuscany. Yeah. That would be quite nice. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. no, I think you're right. And, and again, you know, we see this all the time when we go to museums and we see sacred art, sacred art taken out of context. And, um, and it just, and it just kills me you know, to see that. And then you think, oh my gosh, how powerful must this have been when it was in, uh, in the proper context? Um, and yeah, so this is something that is, like I said, an ongoing debate. Certainly it's worth discussing and, and I'm glad people are, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's being discussed. Whatever is going to happen with these two, um, panels, who knows? But yeah, you're right. It would be absolutely phenomenal to see it in its proper place in the, because that of course, when the artist created this, and actually we'll talk a little bit more about artists, artists um, who created this, they created it with the setting in mind. And so all of that um, matters when you're, when you're looking at art. The context, the environment, lighting, what's happening in that room, all of that. And that is not only for sacred art. I mean, it is especially for sacred art, but it's also for mundane art. And I think, you know, when people think about the artwork that they're putting in their home, what does it mean? What's it communicating? And, and how are you going to live with this thing? Um, how are you going to have a, a conversation with it? You know, I mean, that's the thing. It's that's why art is so amazing. Anyway, so <laughs> I digress just a very little tiny bit. Anyway, so, um, so these panels were made, as I said, by D'Antonio in around, um, did I say 17? Oh my gosh, 17, 14. 1482. Thank you. Yeah, 1482. And, um, as you look at it, uh, the way, um, Workshops and apprentices worked in in Italy at that time. Uh, you would have a school and so D'Antonio, I think there's a lot of evidence that he had some help on this, and he had a lot of influence um from different artists, and we'll see all of that and and that was meant to be seen and understood and and it was um even more so in in it uh, to the people who were looking at it in a contemporary sense, meaning Back then, the people who were contemporary to D'Antonio looking at it, they would have they would have picked up on all of this stuff much more than we have. So, you know, that's why we want to try to tease out all this information that he was putting into this amazing painting. And it's the um, it is the life of Joseph of the Old Testament. And um, so now um, our listeners and viewers are going to have to bear with me, as will you, Catherine. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the summary of the life of Joseph. And he lived for a long, long time and lots of stuff happened to him. So oh, I'm just going to be as kind I cons- think what I'll do
0: is I'll put the images up as you switch from one part of his life to the other, just so people kind of get an idea.
1: Yeah, you know, that might be... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The first half of
0: his life into the second half of his life. And we'll kind of off the pictures as you tell the story.
1: Okay, that sounds good. And that will be a little, that'll be, I think, a little more entertaining than just listening to me drone on about this man's life. Anyway, so um, Joseph is the favorite son of Jacob, who makes no secret of his feelings by putting Joseph in a position of leadership over his much older brothers who shepherd their father's flocks. Joseph doesn't help the situation as he obnoxiously tells his brothers about dreams he has where he rules over them. When, Joseph orders jo- when Jacob orders Joseph to deliver a message to his brothers, they are fed up with their little brother and they decide to kill him by throwing him into a dry well. One of the brothers, Reuben, convinces the other brothers to sell Joseph to some merchants rather than to murder him. This they do and Joseph is taken to Egypt. The brothers then soak Joseph's fancy coat in in goat's blood and show it to Jacob, telling him his favorite child has been eaten by wild animals. Jacob, of course, is distraught and mourns the death of his son bitterly. Meanwhile, Joseph is sold to an official of Pharaoh's house called Potiphar. When Potiphar is at work one day, his wife tries to seduce Jacob. When he rejects her advances, she falsely accuses Joseph of assault and he is thrown into prison. While in prison, Joseph successfully, or unfortunately, depending on who you were, interprets the dreams of the royal baker and the butler. When the butler is freed from the prison, Joseph begs him not to forget Joseph, who has, ju- who has been unjustly imprisoned. The butler duly forgets about Joseph, who must wait in prison for a few more years, when Pharaoh has a number of disturbing dreams about the future welfare of his state, the butler finally remembers Joseph and recommends him to Pharaoh as an interpreter of dreams. Joseph successfully interprets Pharaoh's dreams and is promoted to second in command, where he manages, manages the state in order to avoid a seven year famine. Meanwhile, Jacob and his family are at risk of starvation, so he sends his sons to Egypt to purchase wheat. The brothers go before Joseph, whom they do not recognize, asking to purchase grain. Joseph recognizes his brothers, but he doesn't reveal his true identity to them. Joseph then plays a series of odd tricks on his brothers before he finally reveals to them that he is the brother they sold into slavery years before. Pharaoh is so excited about the reunion of Joseph and his brothers, he invites the entire family to move to Egypt. He gives Jacob and his family the land of Goshen, where they prosper. After Jacob dies, the brothers are afraid Joseph will finally take his revenge on them for their heinous act. They beg Joseph for mercy. Joseph weeps and assures his brothers that God was in control of everything from the beginning and was even able to use their terrible treatment of him to enable him to save his family. Joseph requests that he be buried in the land of his fathers upon his death. Sadly, no one fulfills this request and he is buried in Egypt. This ends the story of Joseph. (sighs) Okay,
0: good recap. Yeah, thank you. There's A lot
1: going on there in that kid's life. (laughs) I know. And he like I said, he lived for a really long time. And um, yeah, so let's get into the panel itself and, uh, and see how D'Antonio interprets the life of Joseph and, and he kind of makes this a feast for the eyes. It is just you can look at this thing. And I think we both have we've just looked at this. Oh, yeah. for hours and could look at it for more hours we really Oh could.
0: I have been lost in this cute little story for <laughs> Oh, days, I'm sure.
1: Cute little story. Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> cute. Oh, yes. It's it? Fratricide. Cute. I don't know. It's just a crazy story, but somehow it comes off as
1: cute. I know. <laughs> See, this is the difference between Catherine and me. Maybe people hopefully will people start picking up on it. Like Catherine says cute. I say fratricide, you know. It's just what <laughs> i work. we That's why you work so well together. But uh, yeah, yeah. so... Okay, so in this first this first little section of the panel, um, and again, this is something that we're going to see over and over again. It's a little bit like um, where's Waldo. So you're always yes. going to be able to know where Joe where uh, Joseph is. There's there's certain things that you go, oh, okay, that's Joseph. Just the way Waldo has on his hat and his glasses and his red and white striped shirt, Joseph is always going to be wearing that blue tunic with the gold trim. And sometimes, just to help you out, you can see his name down there, Giuseppo. Yes. Yeah, and yes. following uh, so, a
0: good old tradition of putting names on iconographic images.
1: Yeah, yeah, makes it it's, so much easier. <laughs> yes, yeah. You know what? In some ways, it does if you can read. But if you can, yes. but if you couldn't read, you know there were other things to help you um, enjoy and and understand the story in in just as much depth. Uh, as somebody who is reading a text. So it's nice that you have the imagery and text um, have equal weight, I think, in in things like this. And this is not just, this is not the only example of this. You will see this over and over again in our, um, works of art. And also you will see these kinds of panels over and over again. So if anybody goes, if you go to a church, if you go to a cathedral, if you go to a museum and you see these panels, you will you will be able to figure out who the characters are because a lot of times they're going to look the same. They're going to be in the same dress no matter where they are. So, in this part, in this panel, we see um Jacob, who is um venerable and old, uh is telling he's sending Joseph off Joseph off to um deliver a message to his brothers. And you can see little Benjamin um in the scene as well, and he's kind of uh Uh, Jacob has his arms around Benjamin. So so these are his two favorite sons. And they were the sons of his wife, Rachel, correct? And she was not... Sons of his
0: old age, they say.
1: That's right. And they were also... um, They were not his firstborn sons, but they were his favorite. And so he's... I could just really talk a lot about Jacob, but he was always into not... He was not into doing things... Uh, in conventional ways let's just put it that way and um you know <laughs> and a lot of people had problems with that and i confess sometimes so do i but uh but anyway but these were truly his his favorite sons and jacob is, is is wearing this really um rich tunic um with sleeves that go all the way down to the ends of his hands um and that is um an indication that he was uh put in a leadership position, favored over his brothers, even though he was a, a young child. Kind of, you know, that really um probably bothered his brothers quite a bit. But uh
0: <laughs> Especially since it says he's seventeen, so he's you know
1: yeah. seventeen
0: year old boys, they think they know everything and uh, then yeah. put him in a Leadership position over older brothers. Eh.
1: Yeah, good luck with that one, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, is there anything that you want to add to this? Something that you've seen? Something that you're uh, that stands out to you in this in this image?
0: I mean, first of all, Benjamin being under Jacob's cloak,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just a fascinating way of showing how precious little Benjamin is the youngest is to his father Jacob yeah and then seeing Joseph he is a shepherd so he does have a staff but that staff is also kind of representative of his authority that his dad has given him and so I just find it interesting because both the brothers Benjamin and Joseph look much younger than they are but I think that's just kind of a way of of showing them as being the younger brothers
1: yeah yeah some precious
0: 17-year-old can look like they're 30, so.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but also that they're precious to him. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and there's also kind of that, you know, visually there's that triangle thing going on that, that the human eye loves, and mm-hmm. it really gets you, it gets your eye moving around this little section. You know, they're nicely framed within the, almost like the, um, I would almost say it looks like a tabernacle type uh. Shape around the three figures. But Mm -hmm. because they're in, you know, you've got the height of Jacob's head and then little Benjamin, and then you move over to Jacob and he's just slightly higher, it -hmm. keeps your eye moving around in that and really concentrating on just those three figures. So, oh, yeah. Well done, D'Antonio, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So in the second image, we have, um, Jacob and he's, he's going to tell his brothers that he's going to deliver the message um, for his father. And I think for some reason, the way D'Antonio has executed this particular image, Jacob looks, sorry, not Jacob, Joseph, he looks isolated. He looks vulnerable. He looks innocent. You know, because I think because we know his fate, like we know what's going to happen to him, but he doesn't know. Yeah, And um, and of course, we can see in this panel everything that's happening in his life all at one time. And that's another really important thing about this. We can see everything at once, just the way God sees everything at once in our lives. And I think that's the other genius about these panels. You know, it gives us a God's eye view. So there's a lot, there's a theological element to this. But uh, going back to this part, um, he really does look innocent. And you kind of want to tell him, turn back. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, or maybe, the whole you know, moment is so calm and peaceful with the little yeah. dog lapping at the stream and
1: yeah. the stump.
0: And if i had so much fun zooming in on this image, first of all. The museum did a great job with this image, getting a great high-resolution picture out there for people to enjoy if you can't travel to the museum.
1: Yeah. Well, you so, couldn't see it anyway if you <laughs> couldn't go yeah. to the museum. So this, that's thank true. you for making it high-res. <laughs> anyway. yes. so yeah. So I
0: absolutely loved zooming in on the tree stump that's there. It has a little opening in it, and there's actually mushrooms and little plants growing inside the yeah. stump. So yeah. it has this kind of closed-in, safe little feel like you said the innocence he's protected but that's all about to end real soon
1: (laughs) it is it is so okay so let's see so the next one if we're going to look here he is telling his brothers um he's delivering his message and I kind of imagine in this in this scene he's like telling them about his dream (laughs) and what he had he had a dream where um there were oh my gosh Uh, was it seven? I'm getting it all confused. Like the wheat bowed down to him.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, oh, he dreamt that he was one bale of wheat. And then his brothers were other bales of wheat and they all bowed down to him, which is, you know, it's like really Joseph. (laughs) yeah, (laughs) And uh, that's not obnoxious at all. (laughs) And I just think he's probably telling them and they're like, oh my gosh, here he goes again. And, um, but it is a lovely scene, the detail. And this is like, this is a lot of detail in, in here. And, and this is kind of an arch, you know, it's in the archway, it's right above, um, when Jacob is telling him to deliver this message. And it's almost like, I want to say almost like a thought bubble above, Mm -hmm. um, Jacob's head or a speech bubble, like you'd get in a comic and, um. But it, there's also foreshadowing. So in this, in, you know, so there's just so much in that one little space, so much information. And um, I kind of wanted to hear your impression about the um, the brothers. But then before I we hear that, I just have to say, I love the cows and the dog. I mean, they're just... Yeah. Amazing. They're just amazing. <laughs> I mean, the, the
0: animals in this really help to set the scene. And at certain points of time, the animals are actually pointing you to what you should be looking at.
1: Yeah, so that's So just true. like
0: in this, you have the two sheep that are laying down between Joseph and his brothers. And those sheep are looking directly at Joseph. So you know Joseph is giving the message now. Yeah. The brothers yeah. are all some looking at him some are starting to converse so you know there's some plotting and planning going on here they're not making eye contact some have actually turned from him so then you're really wondering what's going on
1: yeah so it yeah. just
0: gives you that little sense of okay what's happening what's coming next there's there's some turmoil amongst the brothers the way that they're all turning in different directions from him
1: yeah and you know what i'm just i just noticed this the one lamb let's call it a lamb, not a sheep, uh, that is by, that is near Joseph's feet. That is an unblemished lamb because he's got Mm -hmm. his tail. I think a lot of people don't realize that when lambs are born, they have quite long tails and they are docked, Uh, you know, like the day after they're born, they um, living in, in rural England you you we do see these sorts of things in the springtime best time of the year to live in England is lambing season, but there the lambs are born with quite long tails, and when the lambs were uh, prepared to go to slaughter at the temple, they had to be unblemished, and so that meant that they had to have their tail and so I just noticed that, that you have hit that juxtaposition of the, the, the unblemished lamb next to Joseph. So.
0: There you go. I had never known that before. There you I just go. thought there were different breeds of sheep, some with long mm. tails, some with short. Well, there could
1: be. There could be. And, you know, it, but uh, the ones I've seen around here, they just have really long tails until they don't. <laughs> okay, nice. so. So the um,
0: aftermath of all of this conversation.
1: Exactly. Next next panel, please.
0: Next so, panel.
1: Yes. So this one is, um, there's a lot going on here and it's quite violent, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, poor Joseph. He's been, he's almost like, he He reminds me of an image of Christ being scourged. You know, his tunic yes. is ripped off of him and and look at his arms. His arms are like, almost like they're, uh, on a cross that you can't see.
0: Yeah. The outstretched and, arms. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Yeah. And then he's, he's been plunged into this well. And, um, and you can see Reuben, Reuben is the one who told his brothers like, do you know what? Let's calm down. Let's do something else. This is a bad idea. And he's away from everyone. And he's and almost
0: literally like, trying to sit it out. <laughs>
1: literally trying to sit it out. And also his staff is almost like a, he's almost separated himself, even with that staff from his brothers. Like, I don't want to have any part of this. And, you know, there's just so much, um, there's a lot of action going on here. It's quite, um, uh, turbulent and, and you really feel for Joseph, uh, you know, and fortunately, Along comes some merchants <laughs> coming down the hill with their camels and their packs and and um again, the animals are just all over the place um and they do even lead you you know they they lead the the eye down into this image of this well and um and you can see where they even uh Antonio very helpfully is named everybody we've Ruben and Giuseppo and then we have merchants and um and so the merchants uh the brothers in fact if you look it looks like one of the merchants um is giving one of Joseph's brothers some money and there's definitely
0: um, the exchange there exchange Mm -hmm.
1: and um you know so it's you know it's it's a transaction now, and I mean, and that's terrible and wrong. But it's it's better than murder. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's hear what you have to say about it. I'm, oh, I get all excited Switched about already? yeah. No, slow
0: down, slow down. Gotta go back. Oh, oh, I'll go back. <laughs> I'll go
1: back. Okay. Yeah. So what what's what what kind of stands out to you in this one?
0: What's fascinating about this is if you look off into the corner of our image I show always where our larger images are coming from from the larger panel and all of this chaos is directly above that quiet peaceful scene mm-hmm. we had of Joseph walking to greet his brothers so he yeah. had you went from solitude to total chaos of him being thrown in a dry well not a good thing to be thrown into. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, being sold off. Um, it's just that combination, um, the juxtaposition of the peace and the calm with the chaos, it really makes us stand out. And it makes me want to keep diving into, like, looking at what's every face doing, what's what's yeah. every animal carrying, just to see all the different positions people are in, see how yeah. well they're cooperating with this
1: crime Exactly, and you know, and the other thing—if you look at the the whole panel, the way it's all set up, it's not set up in kind of like a timeline kind of right. um, layout, like a um, oh, what are the things the, the storyboards? It's not like a storyboard; right. it's something else. It's it's it keeps you moving back and forth and back and forth, and, and there's a there is a lot of chaos, there is a lot of disorder in a lot of this, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the disordered affections that um that jacob has you know he he puts the younger above the the older sons and he, that is what has caused this resentment that mm-hmm. is what has caused all of this and so even just visually going back and forth and back and forth that kind of speaks to the chaos maybe that was happening in that family yeah you know yeah oh
0: definitely
1: so all right next next slide Next
0: slide. The deception.
1: Yeah. This is really, yeah. We have to hear about, this is really interesting. So this is when Joseph's brothers show Jacob his tunic that they have soaked in goat's blood and told their dad that a wild animal has eaten his son, which is really horrible Mm -hmm. (laughs) to say. And um, it's a lie. It's a horrible lie. You know, I mean, that's actually worse than we sold him to Egypt. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like if they just come home and said that, that would not have been as terrible as he was eaten by a wild animal. I mean, that's right. just a nightmare. And um, and I think this is really powerful. The, the thing that I find really powerful about this particular section in this little image is the coat. The way D'Antonio has has painted this coat, it looks like a human face, like crying out, almost like trying to say, this is not true. But of mm-hmm. course, it's silent. They don't hear it. Or, or Jacob doesn't understand. He doesn't know that his, that his sons have told this horrific lie. You have little Benjamin trying to comfort his father. And mm-hmm. I think it's interesting how none of the brothers are looking at jacob at all and um they're they're kind of conversing amongst themselves but i kind of wanted to get your impression or your thoughts Catherine, about the colors you know we talked about the colors in our previous um episode which was really fascinating so i just want to hear what do you think is going on with the colors do you think that has a a significance there or, or or what are your thoughts
0: I mean, there's probably a yes and no. Good old Catholic yeah. answer there to this <laughs> there one.
1: There you go.
0: <laughs> I mean, you have, you know, those reds for passion, and there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. Um, you have poor Jacob just lamenting the loss of his son. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing him all wrapped in the red like that and curled down, you can just see that it's, it almost, his cloak almost feels heavier looking at it compared to his two sons that are opposite of him dressed in red as mm-hmm. they stand in their pride. Yeah. You know, and then of course you have, and I'm, that's gotta be, um, Judah and the, or Judas. I said, yes, no, Judah. Judah, Judah in the middle yeah, in his, his, his yellow trying to look all regal, like,
1: yeah, you know. yeah,
0: I'm, I'm the big brother here who can put all this straight and, figure it all out for everyone
1: yeah but yeah, yeah. just
0: that that whole contrast and just a lot of the color just feels like it's a good balancing effect to try to show you know the full range of what's happening here and yeah. i also find it interesting that jacob had once tricked his brother and father
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and now he's being tricked by his sons yeah yeah, and so there's kind of kind of a, a little playback reap, to yeah the sins you reap of his what past. You sow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I also found it interesting the use of the room because in the previous panels, let me. I'm going to go back a few on this one um, because I want to show the difference between. Uh, let's see. So we have here's the room with Jacob,
1: and he's yeah. sitting
0: in his throne. We're actually seeing him in the same room, from yeah. a different vantage point now.
1: Yes, yeah,
0: which I found absolutely fascinating.
1: Yeah, I didn't notice that. Oh, so cool.
0: Yeah. So it's we're we're turned ninety degrees to the scene from yeah. before. Yeah. So it's like everything's slanted now. The relationships are all off kilter. Askew.
1: Yeah. They're yes. all askew. Yeah. Interesting. Boy, this guy was good at what he did, wasn't
0: he? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. I just, the layers are just, oh, we're going to get lost for hours.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. I know. We don't want this to be a two-parter, but... We could make it a two-parter. Yeah, but we're not (laughs) going to. Fear not. We are not going to do that. Okay. So now this is something that um, I'm glad you pointed this out when we were kind of going over it, because again, I think what's so nice about looking at these kinds of panels where there's so much action going on and you, and you can follow the story, this really fascinating story and all the different angles and um, um, perspectives of it. Sometimes you miss things because you're just taken in everything else. And I missed this. This um, image, it's teeny tiny, you know, it's up at the top of the, um, you could almost like forget about it because it's not, there's not a lot of action going on per se, but it's just like
0: filler off to the corner. It does
1: seem, (laughs) yeah, it's like a filler episode.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. It is the filler episode.
1: (laughs) Exactly. But it's really, really important. And I missed it. So this is this is an image of the merchants taking Jacob to Egypt, and of course we've got. Sorry, oh my gosh, yeah, Joseph. (laughs)
0: It's easy to do.
1: (laughs) I know, I know. Um, So in this image, he's at the, um, I guess at the port or the harbor, and they're Mm -hmm. going to go off to Egypt, and this kind of brings us to. The next panel, which is genius. You know yes, what I it mean? Does
0: flow one to the other, literally, through the water. It literally flows.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But I the- have
0: to say one thing before we go on. Yeah. I'm looking at these ships, and the whole time I'm wondering whose house was this in? Because why would you do so much with a merchant and all of this movement that I'm almost wondering, because this was at the time of um, the great um voyages that were happening around the world this yeah. is not far from the time of Christopher Columbus, yeah looking ten for years new later trade routes, yeah, yeah,
1: ten years later,
0: so yeah. that really made me think about this. Was this possibly in the home of someone who either sponsored, supported, or yeah was, you know voyages? or could have been a merchant themselves.
1: yeah 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 the the a- a merchant family, I mean certainly there was you know a lot of money. In um, Italy at that time, being made by mer- the merchant class and mm-hmm. the rise of of merchant families, I be- I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, or forgive me if I'm wrong. You know, the De Medici- the De Medici's, I think, started off in commerce and merchant. You know, as merchants, and they they gained a tremendous amount of power. You know, this is right on the cusp of all of that happening. Yeah, so a good right, point. the
0: start of the Italian Renaissance
1: yeah yeah right on the edge, so here we go. ready to sail across the sea? yeah yeah, here we go, all the way to egypt and here we are all in Egypt, egypt. <laughs> <laughs> we've been transported <laughs> to egypt and um and this one is let me see this one it's a little harder to make out, but he's this is where he's um on the right hand side, there's like a a cluster of people, i guess disembarking from the ships mm-hmm. and you've got Joseph who looks quite small. Um mm. interestingly he does he is wearing his tunic. Um and Potiphar and the merchants. So this is when Potiphar is purchasing Jacob. And you know, I don't think and this is the thing, his brothers did not um send Jacob his tunic in Egypt you know, to Egypt saying, Here you go, we cleaned it up. Yeah. He's in the same tunic for the viewers' sake. This is so the viewer knows, oh, there's Jacob or yeah, there's Joseph. And um, because sometimes, again, you know, you might have people who, who are not capable of reading or not capable of reading Italian who are looking at this. So,
0: you know, what this makes me think about all those great cartoons growing up going, did these kids never change their clothes on Charlie yeah. Brown? They're
1: always wearing the same outfit. I know. <laughs> Do you know, I was, think, I was thinking about Scooby-Doo and the mystery gang. Um, oh, yeah, gang. Yeah, yeah, like they always had the same clothes on. But yeah, that's how you would know that's who it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Good point. So s-
0: sells them off, and where's he go
1: next, Port? There kid. you go. I know. Huh. And this one is this is really an interesting and quite it 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 communicates a lot of sophisticated ideas. I think. In one mm-hmm. little image, and this is what I love about this. These kinds of images, I really, I think this is something. Um, this style of painting, I think, actually would work really well today because mm-hmm. of graphic novels and comic books and things like that. People are yes. used to to seeing and and kind of making sense of images with with a little bit of dialogue or no dialogue at all. And I just mm-hmm. wonder. I'm going to, if there are any artists out there, um, graphic artists or comic book um, illustrators, really start thinking about what can you do in terms of telling these sacred stories in this form? Because it's been done in the past. I think it would absolutely be successful and people would really get it today and they would get it on lots of different levels. So, um, okay, so back to, back to this little <laughs> image. So on the left, you can see poor Joseph and Potiphar's wife, and she's grabbing his tunic and he's like trying, I mean, he's really, he's got his shoulder hunched and he's pulling away from her. And um, and she just looks mean and nasty to me. I don't like her. I'd have and, to say this
0: is the one time the red really makes sense as a representative of her lust.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like he's she's covered after with her this boy. <laughs> yeah, she yeah, he's covered with his with her lust and she's just looking at him and she's grasping him like like um like some kind of monster or something.
0: She's the original cougar. Oh no. <laughs> 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 oh <my gosh>. that, <laughs> that housewife saw a seventeen-year-old yeah. and should not be talking to him.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So poor Joseph, and of course, then she falsely accuses him of doing what she wanted to do, and and then he's in prison. And you can see that on the right-hand side. But interestingly, in the um, in the middle. Um, you, we have, and it's like this fast forward into this other part of his story. Like we're talking years into his future. In the middle, we have Joseph sitting in the seat of power with all of his brothers around him, bowing down, like he said they were going to do. And he's reunited with Benjamin, who is a bit older and you can even see Um, We didn't really go into the tricks he played on his brothers. I always thought they were a little weird. I'm sure that they have lots of meaning that go way over my head. But (laughs) there's a sack of grain with a golden cup inside that Jacob, sorry, Joseph hid. And, you know, so this is way into his future. Yeah, this is almost a spoiler. It is a little bit of a spoiler. And then you have to think, well, why, why would he do this? Why would D'Antonio even do this? And I, or maybe the school that, that produced this image. Because if you look at them, it's, and we can go into a little bit, the difference between these two panels and why, why there's a strong indication that they weren't painted by the same person. Um, but within the same training, um, But why would they do this? And I would say it's because um, these two tragic events that have happened in Joseph's life were pivotal in making the greatest thing happen in his life. So at the time when these two injustices happened to him, he could not have foreseen where he would be and his ability to save his family and ultimately save, save his whole people, his entire people. Um, he couldn't know those two things, but it was, if those two things had not happened, those two tragedies had not happened in his life, this third triumph never would have happened. And I think mm-hmm. that is the genius of this image. It's yeah. just amazing to do that. It's and It's like all you said earlier, images.
0: it's, it's God's point of view on Joseph's yeah. life. God sees the glory that's going to come from the tragedies and obstacles that we have to live through. And he will bring about those glories. And that's what's fascinating about Joseph's story is the whole time you're reading through it, you'll hear God was with him.
1: God was with him. So Mm -hmm. just
0: like calming the sea, he will be with you through whatever storm is in your life and bring you on to the glory that he intends.
1: Exactly. And in the end, it will all make sense. I think that's the big message. And when you when I look at this because we've all had times in our lives where we could even be going through something like this right now where things just don't make sense, but the hope is in the end it will all make sense. And I really think it has just been um communicated so powerfully and so beautifully and so simply in this in the way he's done this. You know, he's transcended time and space in this one little tiny image.
0: It's
1: amazing mm-hmm. it's amazing so after joseph's in jail yes so if you remember so we had the so the i should say the 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 baker died was killed lost his life very sad the butler was freed just as joseph had said and, um, and here we have the pharaoh and it says, and there is, I, I wonder if that was embroidered on his sheets. What do you think?
0: <laughs> it looks like it, doesn't it? it does. I love the way he placed it perfectly across his sheets.
1: <laughs> I know. So it says, Sonio di Pharaoh Gone, and which is me, I guess means the dreaming pharaoh. And this is the other thing that's kind of fun. If you kind of know the story that's going on and you see it in another, you see, um, words or names in another language, you can kind of try to figure it out. What is it? Especially if it's in Latin or if it's in French, um, this is in Italian or German, but you can kind of have a little bit of fun trying to figure out, you know, what is this language? And so this is the dreaming Pharaoh or the Pharaoh has his dreams. And you can see he has the um, the wheat uh, and his dream was, and for people who who don't know the dream, He dreamt that, um, these full, um, and healthy stalks of wheat were devoured by, um, thin dying wheat. And how do you depict that? Lots of different ways of doing it. I've seen it done, but that's a really hard thing. Wheat eating wheat. Um, a little the easier cows with make the cow. more sense yes yes, exactly, <laughs> so you would have the um the the fatted kine being devoured by the thin kine or cows and and so you can see both of those in his dreams above his head, and he seems quite distraught about the whole thing, and i would I think I would be too if i if I saw something like that, and um and so, again,
0: it's another little thought bubble of an image. Because it has its own little, you're supposed to feel like you're looking through a window, but it's a little framed yeah. image. And so it does feel like a little thought bubble
1: kind of off to the side. Exactly, exactly. And I think these, this group of three men here in front, I'm not sure who they are. I'm sure, you know, they could have been, could have been a patron, could have been members of the family of the people who had this painting in their home. And they're supposed to be representing something else. You know, we don't know. Um but I anyway, to be
0: representing the uh, inept advisors to the Pharaoh, because I'd be kind of distraught as a patron if that's who I got portrayed that's as. True.
1: That's <laughs> true. Yeah, you just never know. You just never know. But you can see, I think, the um, man standing to the left and he's holding the uh, some kind of staff. I actually think that might be the butler.
0: Seems like the butler, yeah. the way he's standing at yeah. the side. And we'll see him in the next image. Yeah. Where he's standing next to the Pharaoh.
1: Exactly. And so here we have um, Joseph interpreting the Pharaoh's dream. He's at his breakfast table and Joseph is still quite, he still looks quite young. Um, and he is interpreting Pharaoh's dream. Uh, and, you know, it's its kind of straightforward here. It's a different look. It's a different kind of building um, that they're in, in Egypt. Uh And it's about, I think, you know, I'm looking at the, you know, the buildings, if we go back, you don't need to go back. Mm -hmm. But if if you remember the, the, the buildings where a lot of things were taking place in Joseph's life, they were all kind of that beautiful slate, gray, purpley color. And this one is quite different. And I just wonder if that's because this is more about Pharaoh and less about Joseph. And what Pharaoh does, and the decisions that he makes, in terms of the salvation of Jacob of Joseph's family, and of course we have the those lovely dogs down at the bottom, uh,
0: the beautiful yeah. greyhounds.
1: I know, which just
0: accentuate on. even more the importance of the Pharaoh. Those, yeah, yeah. That breed of dog has been running with royalty for years and years,
1: A long time. And they are so. And I love the way. Um, one is chewing on a little bone. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. <laughs> Nothing me. changes. As you know. <laughs> yes, exactly. And this just reminds me, at the Vatican Museum, there is um, a marble sculpture of some greyhounds. And I think they're Roman. And do you know what? They they look like you can just go up and pet them. They're so beautifully executed. It's just amazing. Amazing. No. And and uh, yeah, so I think these these... Dogs are probably running around um, the the household. I think there's so many of oh. them in this. I just wonder if he's like, you know, what I'm just going to throw in, you know, uh, you know, a couple of the patrons' dogs. Maybe I'll get a.
0: <laughs> they could <laughs> be the patrons' dogs in there. That'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Nice. All right. So, ready for next?
1: Yep, I'm ready for the next one. After okay. this
0: wonderful interpretation.
1: Yes. Yes. So this one. Um, Joseph is being uh, drawn on his chariot, which is impressive, but not very aerodynamic. And I get the impression that whoever made this, surely they've seen chariots, but uh, I don't know. It it looks to me like a Mardi Gras float, personally. (laughs) And my but, first impression was I thought it was a sarcophagus. I know. And it's <laughs> and it's interesting that, and you pointed this out, this is the first time we see Joseph instead of uh, Giuseppe. Mm-hmm. And so that's interesting. Um, it, just right in the, the round, um, uh, the rondel, I think is what it's called. In the middle of the rondel is Joseph. But you had some um, interesting theories about this. Why don't you share that with us?
0: I mean, the whole sarcophagus imagery that I got, especially knowing that Joseph was buried in Egypt and not taken, mm, Yeah, kind of, okay, that's a little foreshadowing of that. Um, I love to, and I only noticed it recently after looking at this for years, hours and hours, but you have the crier going before him, which everyone's supposed to be bowing down to Joseph and he's crying yeah, out to everyone. That's true, yeah. But even the throne that Joseph is sitting on, actually has the face of someone crying out.
1: Yeah, that's true. Good point.
0: There's all these great little details. And I mean, not to mention he's being pulled by white horses and
1: yeah, all that. Yeah. It's just, with, and then oh, went, and with red crosses. Look. Yeah. On, on the oh, yeah. It's like a red cross. So cool.
0: Mm-hmm. And then eventually we'll see how his um, staff that he has in his hand is pointing to the image that we already gave a little sneak peek of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. The one, um, where, yeah, the staff, if you look at the whole panel, yes, it Mm -hmm. is pointing directly to where he was, um, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, imprisoned, and then sitting in power. So that's where that, Mm -hmm. that staff, yes, that draws your eye back up right to the middle of that. Good point.
0: So here, this is zooming in on what his staff is pointing at.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's the center of that. That's the reunion. That's where it all starts Mm -hmm. making sense. That's where his life starts making sense.
0: And I think it's, I put the verses next to all of our images here. And I think it was um, Genesis 45, the verses 14 and 15. Where they actually give the great description of Joseph and Benjamin embracing. Yeah. And I loved that D'Antonio decided to really show that moment. Cause it's it's such a profound statement as you're reading through Joseph's story. Yeah. Just to hear the way that he just wrapped his arms around his brother and wept.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And look at this. And the other contrast is, um, yeah. If you go to, uh, again, don't go all the way back, but just recall the image okay. where this, uh, the brothers are showing the coat um, soaked in blood. Mm-hmm. They're not looking, they're not looking at um, their father, they're kind of no eye contact anywhere and they're all spread out and disordered. And here they're all mm-hmm. circled around Joseph, and in place of that bloody cloak, we have that sack of grain with a golden cup inside. And so it's almost like everything now is reunited, it's starting to make sense, and there's order order is coming in where chaos had reigned for such a long time in their lives. Yeah, because they had to they had to live with that guilt their whole yeah. life. That lie that they mm-hmm. told their father, they had to carry that around.
0: And yeah. that's a lie to hold on to for a long time. I mean, this just didn't is. happen, you know, a week's time or something.
1: Exactly. Years, years and yeah. how that affects them. And actually in Genesis, you do see how they do kind of fall into sin and they're doing all kinds of weird stuff. And, and, you know, it just goes with them. you know, it, it follows them their whole lives.
0: And here they are, fulfilling his dream, bowing down before exactly, them.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Although he was probably gracious enough to not say, I told you so. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Oh, gosh. Okay. All Next. right.
0: So all this results in?
1: And this is when Pharaoh was so excited um, he just invited his entire, uh, Joseph's entire family, just come and live in Goshen. And, uh, you know, you have to think he, Pharaoh must've been incredibly impressed with Joseph to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and here we have a foreshadowing of, um, so many things so right in the center of this this image um, with all of the the people and the camels and the cows and I'm sure there's a dog or two in there um, with a lovely great dappled gray horse um, up on his hind legs but right in the center you have a woman sitting on a black horse and she's holding a little baby on her lap. And I really think that is a foreshadowing of the Holy Family fleeing to um, Egypt. Uh, I mean, there's just no, I mean, it's so much that, that um, icon of, of the Blessed Mother um, Mm -hmm. with Christ on her lap. There's another, it's a, there's a repeated one in the back as well. So it's yeah. almost like if in case you didn't get it then, get it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and to the left there's this glorious woman who it's it it's very botticelli esque, um, the way the draping of her tunic and, and her um the way the wind is blowing the tunic and blowing through her hair it really kind of recalls the birth of venus by botticelli i'm sure uh they were aware of one another these artists they had to be and and that that actual um posture that she has actually goes back to an old i think it's a roman fresco of the three graces which is something that is repeated over and over by um it's copied over and over again by artists but you see it here so he, it looks like you can see what he's aware of um and if you're aware of it as well if you view if you, you know if you look at the three graces you can recall oh this you can recall Jacob's family moving into Egypt from this panel and then you can oh and you think about Botticelli it's it's all really neat the way things start coming together
0: This is also an important reason to keep these two pieces together. Because I don't know if anybody noticed, but I'm not on the second panel anymore. We've jumped back to the first panel.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: This image, actually, you go from seeing Joseph reunited with his brothers in Egypt, and that sends you back, back to that moment when he was betrayed, when his brothers let him go. Again, like you said, it's pointing out that lie they held on to for a long time is now leading to the family being saved by moving to Egypt. They're being saved from the famine that's happening right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. It's just
0: neat how the two pieces jump back
1: and forth. It is. Yeah. Yeah. They work together. They're meant to be together. You know, part one and part two. So the
0: second half of the journey.
1: Yes. And so this is on the second panel. And again, we can see in the background, we've got um, a woman on a black horse and she's got a baby on her lap, very much looking like um, the Blessed Mother and the flight into Egypt. And then I could even argue that maybe, you know, Jacob being older, you could even say, oh, the, he's a, he's foreshadowing um, St. Joseph, you know, leading the Holy Family into Egypt. But you have um, Jacob is on the horse and you have Joseph running up to him and greeting him, you know, embracing him. And, uh, you know, it's a lovely scene. Again, everything's starting to make sense. Everything is in the proper order. And you have in the foreground, you have a man in a red tunic, um, obviously one of Jacob's brother or Joseph's brothers, and he's holding the hand of a little boy. And in some ways, I kind of, I'm getting a lot of St. John the Baptist vibes in this image, because if you look down at the bottom of the little boy's tunic, it could be a little dog, but it looks an awful lot like a lamb as well, and he's jumping up at the end of his tune to- of his cloak, almost like hearkening to the Lamb of god mm-hmm. and uh so it's 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 just fascinating and then you've got again, you've got another little greyhound or big greyhound actually kind of watching right. the whole thing,
0: everybody yep, going by,
1: operation. yeah, yeah, he's kind of like
0: us, he's yep. just looking at the
1: whole thing. <laughs>
0: And again, I love how he illustrated that moment of embrace between Joseph and Jacob.
1: Yes, again, yeah. Get
0: that, you know, that reunion, that, you know, coming together. And Joseph's life um, is actually foreshadowing um, St. Joseph, foster father of Christ. Yeah. Where, you know, him running away from Potiphar's wife is about maintaining his chastity. Yeah. Then and, bringing the family to Egypt to save yeah. them, and he was a dreamer,
1: and he was a dreamer, both, a dreamer, dream. both yeah. dreamers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's also, and Joseph was also a Christ figure. You know, yep. um, the the betrayal of his of his of his brothers and and his sacrifice and everything. Yeah. So there's all kinds of stuff in this. Yeah. Okay.
0: These great crossovers.
1: Absolutely. All
0: right. Alex, your favorite.
1: <laughs> this is so cool because and it wasn't my favorite until we discussed it. Well, we I, I kind of like so just so our, our listeners and viewers know. So Catherine and I were kind of discussing this. Oh my gosh, that conversation was so long. <laughs> yeah. But it was fun. Um and We were going over the whole panel and kind of discussing the ideas and and working this out. And then I and I said, I don't know who this guy is on this horse. So we have here um, obviously a military man and he is on the back of a horse, a war horse, and he's leaping over the walls of the city um, Mm -hmm. going into Egypt. So he's not everyone else is going through the gate in a very proper way. But here he is at the walls, jumping over the walls. And I just, I was like, because he's so prominent, Mm -hmm. he's obviously means something. He's not somebody that you just go, oh yeah, look at that guy.
0: We're supposed to. He's right in the middle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And that's why, you know, and again, when you're looking at, at, At panels like these, these quote unquote storyboards or God's eye view panels of um, sacred art, especially when you've got something that's in your face like that, it's in your face for a reason. You're supposed to be understanding what's going on. And um, and I just could not figure him out. And so, Catherine, I'm going to let you tell everyone who this guy is because Catherine figured it out.
0: Okay, so first of all, I was having fun zooming in on him because he's in this beautiful armor. There's some significant, I'm like going, there's got to be some significance to this. He's on this gorgeous black horse. He's breaching the wall. He's out ahead of everyone. Um, His helmet almost looks crown-like. And I'm just, you know, okay, is he one of the brothers? I'm looking at the coloring and so hmm, could be one of the brothers, but there's only Reuben who was really mentioned you know, by label. Mm, and yeah. so then I look a little closer at his armor and there on his shoulder is this big lion head.
1: Yeah, an epaulette.
0: And, yes, it's epaulette. And I'm like, no way. So first thing I do, grab my Bible. I'm like reading through going, okay, when did they head there? And I get to chapter 46, verse 28 and this is talking of Jacob, he sent Judah before him to Joseph. Like, okay, that's why this has to be Judah. Also, Judah is always represented by a lion. Mm -hmm. And so we have Judah in all his glory heading to go get his brother to say, Dad's here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's so cool. You know to figure that out, and yeah that's that that's who it has to be, yeah the line of judah, yeah uh, mm-hmm. very cool, which again is 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 um a pre a pre prefiguration of Christ, yeah, yeah the line of judah, so um yeah, just so
0: neat, and then there's only one corner of this paint of both these panels that we have not looked at yet, yes. Little pink houses. (laughs) This is up above Pharaoh's dream. Yeah. And I'm like, why is this here? Other than for me to just get lost in the story. I'm wondering, who are these people? What are they doing?
1: That looks like it could
0: be a temple gathering or maybe another grand home somewhere.
1: Oh, no. You know what it is? It's the, the stores for the wheat. They're like Ah. wheat on their, um, you know, sacks of wheat and grain and they're like distributing it. That's what it is. So there it is. It's the big greenhouse. Yes. So see, looking at it again, we're discovering what this
0: is. And here it was above, above Ferro Stream. And I just, I got so uh, lost in it. Yeah.
1: That's so fun. Yeah. Because sometimes you're looking at it and you're like, what does this mean? And you're completely missing it. And you come back and you go, oh, that's what it, yeah. Because to be honest, I did not, yeah, I just noticed that. That's so I can actually cool. thank
0: my mom. This is the one time her hours of wallpaping my bedroom when I was a little, little girl are paying off because my bedroom wallpaper was this crazy greens and pinks scenes of people along roadways. It's just repeated okay. over and over again. And okay. yes, I would spend many of an hours wondering where they were going and what they were doing. Yeah. And so seeing these little pink houses made me go, what is going on here? This is so fascinating
1: exactly great for contemplating it is and that's the other side of it it's like it's contemplating just thinking about it and thinking about
0: sit in a room with all of it
1: how amazing would that have been yeah i'm gonna let everybody have
0: a full image of this for a second
1: yeah yeah absolutely just Take it in, and you can actually see the high res of the um, the Getty Museum's image versus the not so high res of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. But um, but we can imagine uh, how how nice these would be together. And again, I think this is something that um, in studying this, I really started thinking about my own life as two panels. (laughs) And, and what would it look like? And, and this is something, you know, our listeners and viewers should think, you know, because the reality is this is what our, our lives are. It's a, it's a work of art. We're part of a story. We keep saying this over and over again. We are part of a story and it's a good story. And just in the same way that all of these, these events happened, which led to the salvation of Joseph's family. We need to be cognizant of that in our own lives. And um, even if we're in a very low place or a very high place, we're still in a story and it's not our story. I think that's the biggest um, thing to remember. It's not our story, but it's a, it's a really wonderful one. And this, these two panels communicate that so beautifully. And I just hope um, that, you know, people looking at this come away with that and really start imagining your own story. Um, One of the things that I couldn't find in this, um, and I did look, is um, I couldn't find an image of the sun and the moon, which is so weird because Joseph's Joseph's dreams had to do with the sun and the moon as well, you know, and... And I just thought, where is it? But do you know what? In the same way that we've, we missed things and we didn't get things. I wonder if it's, there's somewhere in these panels and I want to encourage. Think they you, are. Don't give I, it away. I think I know <laughs> where they might be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, let's just invite everyone to come. And if, and if you know where it is, we've got it on discord. You can, you can share with us. If you found it, let us know. Um. So we're not going to... I think I kind of know too, but I'm... I'm not going to say sure. now, yeah. no.
0: People got to show us what they know. And exactly. please, if you see something exciting, some small little detail, let us know. This is this is one of those paintings that encourage contemplation.
1: It does. This is... It does.
0: I mean, imagine Lectio Divina like this for all, all the whole Bible.
1: Exactly. My goodness. What I a way know. to teach our children. Exactly. Do you know what? And this... It, and this is the thing I, you know, you can get, I love getting lost in art. And this is one of those things where you can absolutely, you can get into the scene, you can step out of the scene, you can get back in in another place and um, try to figure it out. And, oh, it's, it's just amazing. It's really, really amazing. And um, yeah, so I think that's, there you go. That's okay. the, um... That's uh we're finished with the the, the story of Joseph, a story torn asunder and uh and thankfully we have it put back together just this one time. So just this thanks, one
0: time. We got it put back for, together.
1: Yeah, thanks for that, Catherine. And I wanted to just add quickly, I meant to say this in the beginning, but I want to say it now. Um I wanted to dedicate this episode to um a dear friend of mine, John McDougall, who died suddenly. And um, I just ask all of our listeners to pr- please pray for his soul. And it's also dedicated to his family, his parents and his brother and, um, and his wife and children. And again, it was just the message that, do you know what? It's all going to make sense. And, um, and that's something that we all need to know. We all need to remember. And what a great way to contemplate our lives and, and making sense of everything. So thanks for letting me do that. I really appreciate it.
0: Yes. Yes. Prayers for all there.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And yeah, we'd like to invite our listeners and viewers to please be sure to subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Arhat Radio, or your favorite podcast app, or on the StarQuest uh, YouTube channel at youtube.com, StarQuest Media. And you can watch the shows and see all these beautiful images. Uh, to find previous episodes of The Secrets of Sacred Art and to give us some feedback, uh, please visit sqpn.com uh, slash uh, art. And you can email us at sacredart at sqpn.com. And please follow us on StarQuest on social media. Uh, Facebook.com and also our Discord community. Great conversations going on on Discord community. So please join us there and let us know what you find in here.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Catherine. And then we'll be back next time. And we're going to be discussing something really, really fascinating. And that is the um, Catechism Ladders. Did I get that right? Yeah, the Jesuit Catechism Catechism. Jesuit Catechism Ladders, really fascinating, really fascinating subject. And um, Takes if you like... Takes us on
0: another journey with pictures. yeah, It does. Yeah. It
1: does. But this time it's in, it's with the, um, is it the Lakota uh, tribe? Used, and, used
0: throughout um, the Northwest, almost anywhere where the Jesuits had set up uh, missions in uh, the American Northwest.
1: Okay, excellent. Yeah. So we're going to be on the other side of the, of the world and a little closer to our time in history. So do not miss it. It's really fascinating. I, I cannot wait. Cannot wait to hear about that one. So until then, I'm Alex Murray.
0: And I'm Catherine Laffrey, hoping you find something beautiful. Take care. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy, The Secrets of Technology. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash technology.